Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, 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 greetings. I don't know. Are you there, John? Uh oh. Sorry, I was on. I was on mute. Sorry. Oh, there we go. I forgot. Okay, greetings, let's, greetings. Let's just start over. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, our mutant, uh, the mutant yeah. was on mute. Yeah, well, I was I was having a granola bar, so didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to crunch in the microphone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want the, the whole crunching incident to happen again. That's right. That's right. Be, be the end of us. <laughs> uh, so uh, how are y'all doing today? How are you doing, Scott? Haven't seen you in a while. Oh, I'm doing well. We had our uh, Pliny the Younger event at uh, the Grenade yesterday, so I'm you know I'm glad that the show you know wasn't until a little later today because it was it was a rough morning. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, it, need some menudo to help deal with that. No kidding. It's crazy that that beer and you know all all these years it just still the the hype surrounding that beer is, is just mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Talk about hype. Uh, Evil Three. This year we won the. Uh, the bistro ipa uh triple ipa award Ooh, nice. yes and deservedly and you know there were some cans of it floating around uh you know these these pliny days and anniversary days and stuff turn into you know big bottle shares and you know the fam gets together right. and there were a bunch of cans of evil three people were doing side by sides and uh it might have been considered better than pliny but don't tell uh you know vinnie <laughs> <laughs> well and here's the weird thing is I tell people, I'm like, well, Vinny taught all of us, and I mean all of us brewers, how to make a great uh, double IPA, triple IPA, yeah. right? He was really kind of the genesis of that, that whole West Coast kind of style where it became lighter and drier and had a, had a, you know, a lower finishing gravity. You know, before Vinny, triple IPAs were like barley wines and, you know, had these really sweet and really heavy beers. And, uh, uh, you know, he modernized it. He, he's the one who changed it. And so, uh, and, and he told all of us how to do it, right? He taught all of us home brewers and professional brewers how to, you know, change their beer to be more like, you know, what he was doing. And so I tell people that. And, and so, so the response is, so, so you're, you just, you're cloning, uh, uh, <laughs> play the elder or play the younger. I'm like, 
no, not at all. And but people, that's what they say. They go, oh yeah, you just copy on Vinny. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's like, right. wait a minute. And it's like somebody taught you to drive, um, and then uh, you know you go d- drive in a race or something. Uh, does that mean you're you know copying them or I don't know? I, you know, how is it when somebody teaches you to paint? Uh, you know, and then is yeah, your art not your art? That's right. No, it's it's all different, and the art is the key. I mean, mm-hmm. even even if you you know, like you, Vinny taught us, as you say, you know, gave us the recipe for Pliny. You don't brew it exactly the same way. No, nobody does. Totally, I mean, yeah, totally different. Yeah. It's completely different beer. Yeah. Um, you use you would use the ingredients you have readily available, or and specific hops that you might like a little better than his right. choice. Well, you you make yeah. it different. You don't yeah. make the same thing. You make it different. Yeah. Um, and you know, so yeah, it's totally different beer, but the the, the fundamental concepts of how to do something, uh, you know, like speaking of uh, art and painting, uh, Scott is actually a great artist. I don't know. I've I'm what do you, what do you mean actually? Have, uh, Actually, <laughs> I love that. You know, he can actually do other things. Well, he's actually not an idiot. He actually has some talent. Thank you. I think, I think you hear that a lot, right? Uh, yeah, actually, it, in exactly that tone, pretty much, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah From your a, parents, yeah. yeah. I got a piece of his art on my wall right here. It's, uh, uh, with the, the hops in the, in the bathroom. Uh, yes, wet hops. Yes. <laughs> it's great. I love it. It, you know, it's funny. Uh, that it, like, even if it was, uh, even if it was true, like, oh, you just all you did was just, you know, copied Vinny, and you also made this category defining wonderful beard. Like, even if that were true, like, yeah, all right, is that an issue? Sure, sure, sure. Well, it's like uh, somebody, somebody must have taught you something about painting. Oh yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. there were some classes I took. My grandpa was a painter. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and so are you copying what they did or are you creating your own art? Well, I think I've, you're creating your own art. I've done both. You're, you're I've taking I, techniques that they that they taught you and using those techniques you're going forth and creating your own. Well, and much like making like a clone of Pliny to practice, and I have actually like just directly copied like I made a painting of one of my grandpa's paintings and you sort of practice uh, your technique and then that uh, helps you when you make your own piece of art you it's it's better, you know, when you set out on your own. Right, right. Yeah, it's like learning to cook the classics, yeah. you know, yeah. classic uh, dishes. And I think, uh, you know, you 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 start to put your own spin on it. You start to do do different things. I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of home brewers will uh, brew. You know, try. They want clone recipes. They want to see if they can if they can do it. And then once they do, they're just like. Yeah, now I want to make it different because I'd like it better if it was this way or that way. You, know, you hear that all the time. I, I get people all the time. They go, oh, yeah, like your evil twin recipe. Uh, yeah, I make it, but, you know, I, I make it different. I do, you know, they don't say, but I make it better. They they go on and, you know. And so uh, uh, props to Vinny for, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. create a, a whole style category i think yeah that's the true spirit of brewing yeah so uh yeah apparently there was 80 90 hindrance at the uh the ipa fest and it's it's all invitational in a way so uh it's it's that's a bunch of heavy hitters 
Did you? Did it take gold, Evil Three? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's awesome! Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm real pleased. Yeah, uh, it's always been one of my favorite beers too. I do I do think it's a that great beer. Uh, speaking of uh, you know changing trends and and making new styles, um, you know back in the day. Uh, Pliny was a was a game changer. You know, it changed things. You know, that was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Um, but there's new new trends, new trendy beers, new new things that people are working on. That uh, you know, the the New England IPA uh, some years ago. Uh, who crazy. saw that coming? That that completely changed things. So, what are the beers that are are changing things uh, in the future? Right, uh, I, I bet you one person that might know that we that we probably should ask is our friend uh, John Blickman. There you go. Yeah. He's, he's got his finger on the pulse of of what people are are brewing and uh, how they're brewing it, and that's how come he can make such great equipment for uh, for brewers, home brewers, professional brewers, uh, any kind of brewer you got. Uh, John Blickman and Blickman Engineering has the equipment for you. You can check out all their stuff at BlickmanEngineering.com. And uh, if you get a chance, I'd appreciate it if you could send an email to my dear friend John Blickman uh, at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell them how much you appreciate that he pays for the show so you don't have to. If you enjoy the show, if you hate it, then you know you can tell them, you send them an email, and tell them how much you hate uh, hearing me or John or Scott or whoever. Yeah. <clears throat> if you take offense at the Cretans thing, yeah. <laughs> Boy, are you wasting your money, Blickman. <laughs> Boy, are you wasting <laughs> I just wanted to tell you how much you're wasting your money with a, with a, with a hole you're pissing in uh, with this whole Bruce Strong thing. Um, yes, I'm sure he would appreciate that. Jamil, uh, let me, let me quickly point out that you did not use the word actually at any point in reference to, hey, you know, Blickman actually knows what he's talking about. You didn't say that. <laughs> it's one of one of the things I hate most when people are tasting a beer, uh, one of my beers, and uh, they'll be like, "That's actually not bad." <laughs> right? Exactly. So yeah. Like, well, what What the hell? I know how to brew a beer. <laughs> right? You think you think you know the beer I make is bad? You, you think I would hand you a beer that was bad? You know, like actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> right. Actually, that's okay. Actually, it's like shut up. <laughs> What is that actually at me? Okay, okay. I'll try to stop saying that, Jamil. <laughs> I hear that. You know, you hear that all the time. It's, it's like Scott saying, it's kind of kind of annoying. It's like you just you just diss. There shouldn't be any doubt, right? Right. Right. It, it just say, well, it's good or bad or whatever, but don't go like, well, actually. It would, it would probably be a good so, life rule to drop the words actually and literally. They're so overused and it's like sort of insulting. They're literally overused. Yes. Right. Thank you. That's actually a good point, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I, I know how to make good points, man. <laughs> you actually do. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's, let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we'll actually get into... Uh, the topic of the day, which is uh, these 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 uh, new new beer styles that are literally changing the face <laughs> of brewing, we'll be back right after this. 
Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, about uh, <clears throat> the new trends in beer and brewing and i get this question asked often i'm sure you do too john oh yeah it's yeah. Um, you know oh what's what's the new cool thing that's coming out of uh, breweries and um you know uh, I, I think that you know a lot of the creativity and a lot of the uh, the new stuff was happening here in the u.s and people would ask what you know what are american brewers doing i think that's how you Phrase the question initially, John. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I I see it in other countries as well. Oh, of course, yes, yes. I I myself I don't really th- I don't pay attention to you know what's new on the market. Um, you know, when I I get my issue of uh, new brewer and so on, they they have a very convenient uh, portfolio in the back of all the new beers that have hit the market. But I really don't think about that. I'm more interested in the science end of things. Um, but, you know, new styles do come along, like New England IPA and Brewed IPA a couple of years ago, um, that, you know, teach brewers something new about the beverage. Um, you know, just as you were saying, you know, how, um, how Vinny and others uh, redefined IPA. Um Katarina Sauer is another one that has taken hold um, in recent years. Uh, you know, a fruited Berliner Weiss type beer, um, brewed a little stronger there in, in uh, Brazil. Um, a lot of a lot of you know new beers that brewers come up with uh, will often inspire others and uh, lead to you know kind of a new style. And and uh, so yeah, we're just I was thinking yesterday and today and uh you know what what new beers you've heard of and and this might be something interesting to talk about yeah you know uh, well I, I came up with a kind of a quick list of uh, you know things that i've seen and, and heard and tasted and, and tried and uh one of them that, that comes up Fairly often, at least out in the West, I think from Denver on out this way, um, <clears throat> is uh, not even beer. It's hop tea. You know, 
Brewers. Oh, really? I think for non-alcoholic, you know, things. You know, so non-alcoholic beer is another big one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were talking about doing a show about how you produce a non-alcoholic beer, uh, and with uh, advances in equipment and scaling down of some of the major uh, pieces of equipment that are required to do uh, a, a proper non-alcoholic beer, um, craft non-alcoholic beers are, are becoming uh, more and more available, and, and people are seeking seeking them out more. Uh, so I think that's one of the trends. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that it's going to last a long time. I think, um, you know, people talk about the alcohol and not wanting the alcohol for various reasons, but then, you know, people talk about calories too. Yeah. They want you know, beer without calories as well. And it's like, well, yeah, how long is either of those trends really going to last? I, there's a subset of people that I guess uh, are focused on those, but um, the majority of people they you know they want alcohol and flavor. Yeah. Oh, so they're not really t- too concerned about about those other aspects. So I'm not sure how how well that trend's going to do. But the hop tea one was interesting to me because it's essentially tea, green tea, black tea, and hops. And there's really nothing else in it. It's just tea and hops. <laughs> hops give, you know, they, they, they tend to focus on uh, a citrusy hop. And yeah. um, it, it's interesting, especially if you like tea. I like tea. Yeah. And, uh, you serve it cold and carbonated. And, um, you know, this, the, the hops give it to, you know, it's almost like tea with lemon or orange or something like that. And, um, you know, it's pretty interesting. Uh, that's something that I think a number of people are, are working on and coming out with it. There's already some on the market. And, um, again, I think it's quite limited, but it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know that, I mean, you might as well just make you know, cold tea carbonated with orange or lemon or whatever <laughs> and go with that because the hop tea is quite expensive because of the hops. Oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Hops are I, I used to add hops to my coffee. I would throw a couple of hop pellets into the brew basket and, you know, oh. brew my coffee. Why was that? I yeah, just... Just because I think maybe irritate my wife for one thing, um, <laughs> but it tastes it tastes like a stout, you know. It's a uh, oh really yeah yeah. It's like I was that's what my thought was like. Hey, I like I like hoppy stout. Well, I uh-huh. can add some hops to my coffee, and that should taste like it. And sure enough, <laughs> and you, huh? Interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of like hop tea. And did you get any like bittering? Uh, some, some, but mostly, you know, mostly aroma uh, and flavor. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is into, the, like, the grounds, and then you were using, like, a drip. Yeah, uh, it was just a standard Mr. Coffee kind of coffee maker, and I just throw some throw some pellets in with the coffee uh, grounds and, and brew it, and uh worked what, quite well. What what kind of uh, a hop, hop were you using? Uh, I was using, well, most likely Cascade, but also I think I had some Perla at the time. Uh, huh. 
which had you know that has that little mintiness to it, uh, and that worked well. Okay, I'm gonna have to try this. <laughs> yeah, especially today with cold brew coffee. I mean, I, I think hops and cold brew coffee is another real possibility. I mean, we we do make cold brew coffee. We make like the most insane cold brew coffee ever. We use over a pound per gallon of uh, wow. coffee. And so it's a concentrate, right? Yeah. And so my plan was to make this concentrate and then, you know, water it down. How much do you want to water it down? You know, like half is pretty pretty standard. Yeah. Oh, I thought, you know, and I tried that. It turned out good, but then, you know. The the less and less water, the more people liked it, and then people just they like it super strong. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so it costs a fortune to make, and the employees drink drink it all up. Yeah, but we actually serve it on nitro here, and uh, that's that's the that is so good when you do ni- a coffee on nitro. Yeah, and it's concentrate. It's not coffee it's cold brew concentrate like you buy a concentrate in the store and water it down uh-huh. now this is straight concentrate on nitro <laughs> uh, and it's it's a locally roasted uh, roaster and he makes the most amazing coffee mm. um, yeah over over a pound a gallon <laughs> well sounds wonderful yeah it's only money <laughs> there you go but I and, hey but you have very alert employees that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, as long as they're hyped up on caffeine, might as you know, fine by me. Better than drinking a lot of alcohol. Uh, add hops to cold brew. I'm gonna try it. Yeah. It may be something really. I may waste like 150 dollars for the coffee, but yeah, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> well, uh, have you tried making some low alcohol uh, beers at the at the brewery? <laughs> Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll brew, uh, you know, British, uh, like an ordinary bitter or something like that. That'll yeah. be, you know, three-ish. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, we really haven't uh, done much on the, the low alcohol, no alcohol. Um, there's a new piece of equipment that'll, uh, you know, so the the way the Germans do it, they have a giant, like, RO uh, system. Oh. That's quarter of a million dollars. Takes up like half a warehouse, and they just run the uh, beer through it. And what happens is alcohol and water are removed. It's you know it's just across a membrane. Yeah. And then the remaining beer gets water back, carbonated water added back to it, and there's your non-alcoholic beer. So it's done, and it can be done at low temperatures. It can be done, you know, at, uh, you know, 0, 32 Fahrenheit. So you're not heating up the beer. Yeah. Exposing it to oxygen, you're, you know, and it turns out that that's how the best non-alcoholic beers are made. Um, The other ways that people have been doing it is they'll heat it up and apply vacuum and take the alcohol off that way. The problem is you're heating up the beer. Yeah, yeah. Rarely. It's it's no good. You can taste it. Taste stale. Taste, you know, the heat staling is terrible. So um, that's generally how it's done. Uh, You can brew a lower alcohol beer. One, One of my favorite ways to do it is brew a high strength beer. 
like our double IPA. Okay. And then, uh, you know, lots of hops in it and then just add a bunch of water to it, uh, carbonated okay. water. And if you've added enough hops, it's still bitter <laughs> and it's becomes, it's, it's hoppy. It becomes more bitter and hoppy the more water you add to it because ah. it get, thins out the, the malt. Yeah. Yeah. So that or just, just drink some goddamn alcohol. What's the matter with you? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, I know there's they've they've come out with a couple of yeast strains uh, in the last year or two, um, ones that uh, don't ferment maltose. Um, that uh, you know, just a very very lightly fermented beer uh, to reduce the alcohol content. You brew so you brew like a low OG. 1035, something like that, and then ferment it with this uh, low, low fermentability yeast, and you do get some, you know, beer character, um, but less alcohol that way. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Uh, hard seltzer is another one that's everywhere. very, very popular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing is. Um, you know the the big brewers they're making this super clear with quote natural flavors that um, you know it's just a bunch of chemicals that that they add in uh, as their natural flavor. Yeah, and um, so a lot of craft brewers, especially in the U.S. and California, are making uh, hard seltzer you know a more natural way. You know they're they're um, Making a you know just a basic wort and then actually fermenting it and fermenting it with fruit. Oh, so okay. actually fruits added versus a fruit flavoring. They actually use fruit. So we make one. We use fruit in it, and um, don't we don't add any sugar, no artificial sweeteners, anything like that. We actually control fermentation to hit a target um, residual sweetness, and so yeah. we don't have to add sugar. We don't have to add you know. So, um, that's, that's become quite popular. Um, and we make it because, you know, there's the variety of people, people have different tastes. Um, right. I'm fine with that. I've always said, you know, the, uh, owning a brewery, the brewery just needs to make one beer that I like <laughs> that I want to drink. And as long as that's on, I'm good. You know, all the rest of them could be what other people like. Right. Yeah. I'm running a business and I'm running a tap room. I want people to come in and find something that they enjoy. Not every beer is what Jamel wants to drink. Right. Because, you know, while there'd be a variety, it'd still be stuff that I like to drink and people have different tastes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think as a, as a, you know, most breweries these days are looking at their their uh, products and their their clientele and saying yeah we want people to come in and spend some time here have more than one beer you know and so having some low alcohol and some of these uh lighter tasting you know, hard seltzers less uh, yeah less filling allows people to spend more time mm-hmm. which is is nice which is one of the things on my list is you know taproom experiences I was asking my wife, you know, what's what's trendy and what are people oh. trying to do? And, and she mentioned one of the things is, you know, the, the experiential taproom, you know, the taproom as more of an experience than just a place to go buy something to drink. It's, you know, when you're there, 
you know, how's the environment? What's, you know, what's it like? What does it feel like? You know, how, you know, um, what is the experience that you're, uh, consuming at that point, not yeah. just, you know, you know, so that's a big thing that's you know trending right now, especially in the U S. Yeah. One thing I always look for when I go to a tap room is our pinball machines. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. Their balls. That was true. But, uh, you know, good pinball machines, you know, uh, fun arcade games. I mean, cause you know, it's it's great to have a be able to have a beer while you're trying to beat the high score on pinball or mm-hmm. you know centipede or whatever the game may be. Um, maybe maybe it's my generation that really enjoys you know video game arcades. Uh, but uh, nice to be able to have a beer while you're doing that too. Right. Well, one of the other things that's uh, trending big right now in the U.S. is. Um uh, ready to drink cocktails in cans. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And and beers that taste like cocktails. So you know, people try to make beers that taste like you know gin and tonic or you know um, Kahlua or whatever whatever it be, uh, old fashioned. Um, uh, I did a uh, a collab with. Uh, uh, Libertine, in which we were trying to make, um, oh, I can't remember what kind of cocktail it was, but a beer that tasted like a cocktail. And that got me thinking. And one of the things I was, I was looking at doing was making beers that were high ABV, like 20%. Mm-hmm. That had the flavor of certain of the, you know, cocktail ingredients, ingredients that, uh, you would use, you could use in beer cocktails because the problem with beer cocktails that that was the thing that was popular for a while or still sort of is, is that people would make a cocktail and just pour some beer in it. And it really wasn't, you know, uh, yeah, it didn't foundation of it. It watered yeah. down if anything. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. created to be a blend or a pairing of the two flavors. Right. It was just beer added. Yeah. Right. So if you made these beers that were, you know, uh, like cocktail ingredients, you could make a beer cocktail that truly was a beer cocktail. So that was one of my ideas um, that I was really excited about a while ago. And then, I don't know, we opened a distillery. And <laughs> I forgot all about that. But yeah. I still think that that would be a cool thing to try. Yeah. Well, are you able to add or able to combine beer and spirits uh, under your license, or do they have to be sold separately? Yeah, there's. There, I don't think there is any such license that allows you to do it. Okay. Uh, because even though you, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe maybe there's a distillery license that would allow you to take in beer as an alcohol and use it as an ingredient i don't i don't know i don't know um it's uh so you can't you can't combine a a beer and you know your distiller product distilled distilled product into a heretic pocket package yeah no no okay that's federally not allowed i don't think the state allows it either okay yeah, once if the feds say no, you, you don't even bother checking with the state because you know it's yeah, you know, yeah, 
Yeah. So I guess it'd be like a what do you call it a a sidecar and a bottle kind of thing. But yeah, you can't do it. Right. Yeah, sidecar. I think that's what we're trying to do. Anyways, um, let's take a short break. Uh, when we come back, I've got uh, more on my list that uh, may thrill or disgust you, uh, depending on on what you think. All right, we'll be back right after this. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zainashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, new beer styles and uh, beer trends in uh, brewing here in the USA. And I guess wherever else we've seen it. Um, uh, I wanted to say uh, this episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association, makers of the free Brew Guru mobile app. If you love brewing and saving money on beer when you go out, you need the Brew Guru in your corner. The app offers a searchable database of homebrew recipes, including popular craft beer clones and hundreds of winning recipes from the National Homebrew Competition. What's more, Brew Guru has a searchable map of deals at breweries, beer bars, and homebrew shops. Grab the free Brew Brew Guru app for iPhone and Android devices and follow the path to good beer. Uh, It is free. It is useful. It is. Get it. It will pay for your AHA membership. Uh, you'll, you'll at worst, break even. You save, you'll save some bucks. So check it out. And I think you can check it out even before you uh, you become a member. Uh, it limits what you can get out of it, but uh, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a handy little app to have. Uh, let's see here. All right, so we're talking... Uh, these new trends, and here's here's one that uh, uh, we were talking about beers that taste like cocktails. Well, here's one that's become a real real popular, and, and my good friend Travis, he, he uh, I, I I think he believes this is a, a horrible abomination of uh, of of beer, or not even really beer, or not even really drinkable. And uh, you know, I, he he may have a point here. Um, what we're seeing is. Uh, I think they're calling them like uh, smoothie beers or daiquiri beers or daiquiri smoothie beers. Hmm. Okay. I haven't heard of that. And what they are. Oh, and there's pictures of them too. Uh, they're taking um, general like uh, beers or kettle sour beers. And uh, then they add uh, like fruit puree. Uh, to them, like fifty percent fruit puree and fifty percent oh. beer, and then um, they serve them that way, or they they actually put them in cans. And I guess there was a problem with uh, <laughs> some breweries with the cans exploding because they're not you know fermenting the fruit; they're just yeah. putting it in uh, this puree. And so uh, I thought I. Did some pretty heavily fruited sours, but <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, he just sent me a link. To, he he sends sends me pictures of all these, and you know, you open them, and it just gushes out all this fruit puree <laughs> as it's over carbonated. 
um, or um, another one was somebody commented that they're pouring it and it's it's like pouring tomato juice, you know, or even thicker yeah. than tomato juice. Um, so that's one trend because you know fruit beers and I. Uh, I'm telling my guys all this all the time. It's like fruit beers today, all beers today. Here, here's one of the major trends in beers is flavoring beers, beers being sweeter or beers being sour and sweet and bold flavors. So those days of subtle little, oh, I get, you know, I get, uh, you know, a, a tiny hint of, you know, strawberry in the background or, oh, there's a, you know, uh, if I, if I dig really deep, I get a tinge of cardamom in the, <laughs> in the mid palate. I get, uh, you know, all these subtle little things, uh, they don't fly much anymore. You know, today's, uh, uh, drinker, you know, is looking for more bold flavors. Yeah. Um, you know, very upfront fruit character. You know, not not a subtle thing anymore. It needs to needs to pop, and you know, it's it's been a big shift. You know, that wasn't a thing. Uh, you know, as recent as five years ago, people weren't looking for that. You know. So that's something that I think is new. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to do a fruit beer, it damn well better taste like the fruit. If they have that's to right. hunt for, for that flavor at all, it's a failure. So, um, you know, those bold fruit flavors, well, now they're taking it to the extreme, like just happens all the time over here. Yeah. They're, um, you know, it's half fruit and a little bit of beer. Well, that's really interesting because um, you reminded me that um, places such as L.A. Ale Works, uh, they have, um, uh, what do you call them, beer slushy machines. Mm, you know, so you exactly. go to – Right. Yeah. You know, you'd make a, make a daiquiri out of the beer by uh, freezing it, partially freezing it, and have a beer slushy. Um, those seem to, that seems to work well with some of the hazy IPAs, you know, where you have kind of a very fruity uh, hop character. And I suppose if you added some fruit puree to that, you know, uh, um, in a slushy machine, that would work well because you don't have to package it. Don't have to worry about the exploding can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, boy, it, it it's different. It's um, you know, and really becoming uh, very very popular. Uh, I think. Um, so uh, that's something you know to consider as well. These extreme uh, fruited beers, um, and I think. Goes along with, um, uh, you know, lactose beers. So there's oh, yes. a big, there's a big uh, uh, use of lactose. I, I joke here. I'm like, yeah, we should put in a lactose silo uh, because, <laughs> you know, some of these beers they use a, a considerable amount of lactose in them, and. You know, back in the day, I wouldn't have used nearly as much lactose as as I as I'm willing to use today. Lactose gives, you know, a, a very full, 
feel to a beer. You'd think it would turn it kind of milky, but, um, you know, it, it started to taste like dairy. Yeah. But it really doesn't, um, at least in the things I've done, or maybe it's the source of lactose we're using. Uh, you know, you can put a lot of lactose in there, and it doesn't taste uh, milky. It tastes, you know, just slightly sweet. Yeah, a residual sweet, sweetness. Fullness. Yeah. But it's not, you know, lactose isn't that sweet a sugar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I had a I had a milkshake stout uh, this past weekend at the um, the um, Sonora uh, Beer Fest in uh, Hermosillo, Mexico. That was uh, a chocolatey stout that they had added um, strawberry flavoring to, and it was very, very mind in with lactose, and really did put you in mind of like a strawberry chocolate milkshake kind of thing. Huh. I, was, I was surprised how much I liked it. Right, yeah, uh, a lot of this stuff kind of sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, but well, when it's done well, yeah, right. Um, you know, it's, it's just the, the question a lot of people have is, um, well, it's not beer anymore. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, depends on what your definition of beer is. Is your definition of beer, you know, clear with hops and malt and, you know, that's it. Well, then it's, it's not beer anymore. Uh, but I think, you know, beer before uh before hops and beer before a lot of things you know it's changed a lot over 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 time and apparently Mm -hmm. it's making more changes and that's kind of one of the magic things i think about beer is it uh, has the ability to morph and change and for flavors to uh, you know, there's so many flavors available to the brewer that yeah. aren't available to the winemaker. You know, it's just tremendous. I mean, we can that we can make something that tastes like a you know a strawberry chocolate milkshake, or we can make something that tastes like a you know a, a piney you know dry you know IPA. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to me, they're all beers. Yeah, I think as long as you're going through the brewing process, you know, doing the mash, making the wort, cooking the wort, fermenting the wort, adding, you know, some post-fermentation ingredients, whether it's additional hops or some, you know, some fruit flavoring, I think that's all still beer because you are, you're going, you're actually brewing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, as long as uh, you know the legal meets the legal definition, I'm I'm cool with it. I think you know experimentation is experimentation. If it's terrible, nobody will drink it. So right. don't worry about it; it'll go away. Um, you know, I think the the brewed IPA thing kind of came and went. Mm-hmm. Those things that like nobody's doing anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I liked those beers when I when I had had them. Um... You know, it's, it was an extension to me of the West Coast IPA where it's a little bit drier mm-hmm. and then they dry it out even more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I often had some that were quite very, very drinkable, very sessionable. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know if it really caught on much with with uh, the crowds like uh uh, another one that that seems to be popular that may have some legs is rosé beers. 
So, oh yeah, you know, people like uh, you know rosé beers. That tends to be anything that's kind of pinkish in color. You can call a rosé beer. Um, we do one with hibiscus. People do it with other things, I guess. Um, and that that tends to be a popular one as well. Hmm. That's kind of new. Uh, yeah. Well, and the hazy IPA, that's not going away. That's right. been around for a while. And I think it's really because people have dialed in how it's made and people started making much better uh, versions of it. You know? yeah. Not that the original ones weren't, but I think you know a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon and there was a lot of crappy ones. You know, there was just a glass of yeast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were nasty. Um, and now people have, you know, some of them are just amazing. People are making some amazing ones, you know, all over the, the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got one, I think I got one from Sweden or Norway or something in a can in Reno. I was just picking up random cans out of the, you know, out of this cold fridge at this place. I'm just like, well, it looks like an interesting can here. Should I grab this? I've never <laughs> seen these before. I'll grab them. It wasn't until I got home and, and poured it. Um, I was just like, damn, that's good. <laughs> like, really, really good. I was yeah, really refreshing, yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was just fantastic. It had great malt character, everything. I was like, that was fantastic. And then I looked at the can. I was like, oh, it came from, like, Sweden. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> dudes in Sweden doing some good stuff and yeah. I I threw away the can or something I don't know who it was now I didn't make any notes now I need to go back to Reno see if I can find another one so I know next when I'm in Sweden who to, who to, who to say hi to um, so the hazy IP and the dessert stouts like you're talking about that's also that's been around for a couple of years and I don't think that's going away either um, right. that's becoming quite quite popular um uh and i think you know eventually everybody's probably or most everybody's probably going to brew one did i tell you the story of uh brewing at burning soul in uh birmingham england no no you didn't the marshmallows oh okay so marshmallows sorry so, so yeah the marshmallow story so um i was talking to them about doing a collab and um uh great guys there uh, and they make great beer, truly excellent beer. And uh, so we're talking about doing like some big stout that they could maybe barrel age. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I'm like, you know, what's popular today is these pastry stouts. And I couldn't quite convince them to go like full on pastry and, you know, throw a whole bunch of stuff in there. But they're like, well, how about like marshmallow? And I'm like, okay, well, we can do marshmallow. And so we're going to brew this big stout. And I'm, you know, through email, I'm like, well, you know, marshmallow is really just a bunch of gelatin and uh, sugar, uh, you know, dextrose, gelatin, dextrose, and um, uh, vanilla flavoring. That's really all a marshmallow is. A lot of air and the, like a talcum powder to keep them from sticking together in the bag. And uh, I said, so you, know, you get a, a few bags of marshmallows. We can all take pictures, you know, toss it in marshmallows. But then you can just dose it with some vanilla and get about the same thing. You know, it's it's a marshmallow. Um, so I get there, and uh, they've got a 650 liter uh, kettle, so not that big. Yeah. 
and uh, uh, the smallest amount he could buy wholesale of marshmallows was 50 kilos. <laughs> so, <laughs> 110 pounds. 120. It's it, it, in in 650 liters, and um, so it, it's a pallet. You know, marshmallows they don't weigh much. They take right. a lot of them. So it's like a freaking pallet of marshmallows is like 110 pounds, 50 kilos. And so uh, we start adding some. You know, the kettle's already pretty full. You know, we're making this high ABV uh, uh, imperial stout. And so we start adding marshmallows. We became very good at figuring out how to add marshmallows because what happens is the marshmallows melt when they hit the boiling wort. And they release all the gas that's inside them, which causes like a foaming, right? Yeah. So I added gelatin and everything else. And so we kind of got good at doing it because it's a lot of bags. And we're like, it's like an hour of adding marshmallows to this (laughs) thing. (laughs) We got all 50 kilos in there. We got some boilovers and it made a hell of a mess, but we got it all in there. And I, I can tell you that is pretty much... All that you can do. That is like the maximum marshmallow addition you can do to the beer. Because at the end, I mean, they were kind of like hitting the surface and skittering around a little bit before finally kind of melding into the mass. And um, and it, it wasn't until, you know, about three-quarter hour of adding marshmallows that I, I thought came to me. You know, we use gelatin to take yeast out of suspension. Oh, how was this going to affect pitching the yeast? And is the gelatin just going to pull all the yeast out of suspension? Whoops. I didn't think about this. Uh, But then I'm like, well, it'll probably be okay because the gelatin's going to get all jacked up by being boiled. Yeah, that's true. And so. Massive hot break. Yeah, it'll probably be fine. I don't know. I'm like, hey, I'll be gone. Uh, you know, it's their problem. <laughs> but apparently it fermented out fine. But what he found was there were weird white flakes at the bottom of the fermenter afterwards. Oh. And I got to assume that that was talc. That Because those marshmallows must be covered in some sort of talcum of some kind. Well, I wouldn't think it'd be talc. I would think it'd be cornstarch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not talc, but, you know, cornstarch or something. Some some Mm -hmm. talcum-like kind of powder to keep them from sticking together. Um, Yeah, it could have been a silicone or, you know, yeah, silicon dioxide or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that... uh, kind of coagulates and, and break, flocculates and breaks out and falls to the bottom. Ah, okay. Other than that, uh, there you go. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And then they took me out drinking and eating, and <laughs> it was spectacular. I had such a great time with those guys. I love them. They are the best. Nice. So Burning Soul, if you're ever in Birmingham, check out Burning Soul. Uh, just great beers and great guys. Uh, a lot of fun. All right. Uh, well, let's wrap this up. And, and, you know, I think that's all I got, man. You know, fruit sours, those, you know, still yeah, can yeah. be popular. But uh, that's where all the, the trends are going. And yeah. uh, we're going to start well, our own new trend with uh, hopped coffee. There you go. Yeah. 
That was interesting. There's always a lot going on in the beer world, and um, maybe we haven't heard about uh, other new things going on in other parts of the country, but... Or the uh, world. Yeah, but there's a few right there. Yeah, I would say if you you know of some weird, trendy beer, or you're trying to start some weird, trendy beer, uh, email us, uh, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, tell us about your your trendy new beer idea, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it on the show. Maybe we'll we'll uh, you know yeah. recipe and everything. We'll we'll make it a thing, or if it's already you know sort of a thing, I'd love to talk to some of the brewers that are doing these these uh, daiquiri smoothie fruit beers. Um, I'm going to be in uh, Houston and uh, New Orleans. Uh, before the homebrewers conference, and maybe I get a chance to talk to some of the people down there. Yeah, okay. yeah, because I mean, we're always trying to learn. We are. Yeah, yeah. So, and maybe I'd be interested. I'd love it. Maybe I'll I'll be totally into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I won't I won't say I hate them yet. I won't say I love them yet. I gotta I gotta taste a few. But I imagine. I mean, I love fruit, so there you go. What can I say? I'm a fruity guy. There you go. We're <laughs> looking forward to it. Yep. Well, and uh, speaking of fruity guys, uh, please uh, make sure you uh, uh, check out our, our fine sponsor, John Blickman. He's one wild and fruity guy. That's right. And he he innovates fruits so you don't have to or something like that. Yes. <laughs> Okay, that didn't work. Innovating <clears throat> your fruit. All right, uh, another fine show. Uh, thanks for, for listening in. Thanks for uh, uh, supporting our sponsors. Thanks for uh, being who you are. Uh, and make sure you uh, keep on brewing strong. Brew strong, everyone. All right. <laughs>